0: The people versus the banks showdown in Canberra next week. And housing bubble deflating fast. But the worst is yet to come. Coming up on this week's episode of the Citizens Report. Welcome to the citizens report it's the 3rd of february 2023 i'm robert barwick and i'm joined today by citizens party researcher and editor richard Barden. welcome richard thanks robbie in this week's episode of the citizens report we're going to talk about my trip along with glenn ishwood from our, our office here in melbourne to canberra next week so we can get an inquiry into the banks um, uh, you know the mess they're causing by shutting regional branches everywhere um, which is going to open the books on all their excuses so that's gonna be a big fight, and I'll give you the details of what's happening there. And frankly, the, uh, next, episode, the next segment is gonna be quite disturbing because this is the big one. The, house, the, the housing bubble in Australia is in bad shape, and that's right at the heart of our economy and our financial system. So we'll talk about what that means for you. Um, before we begin though, just remember, please like the show, subscribe if you haven't, and ring the bell icon when you subscribe. Um, Also share it so we get the message out widely and leave a comment, begin a discussion below. I'd also like to take this opportunity to request that people consider making a donation to the Citizens' Party, we'll put a link below, to this campaign right now to save regional branches um, and get a postal bank because this is really exploding and when I'll give you the details, it's quite exciting. And when you see that kind of activity, You can't back off, you go harder and harder to push it through to an actual victory. Um, we've We've had a lot of success in the last four or five years in Australia in forcing the spotlight onto these areas of the financial system that need to be fixed up. But we've got solutions and we've got to push it through to a solution and that's what the postal bank campaign's about. That happens with a lot of effort and we rely on our listeners and our viewers and our supporters to Join in that effort, make phone calls, make submissions, send emails, but also we need financial resources. So if you can help with the campaign at the moment, please click on the link and make a donation. You can make a little, you can make a lot. It's up to you, but every little bit helps. So with that said, Richard, let's get into it. It's the people versus the banks showdown in Canberra next week. And what we're seeing what we've seen this week, Richard, is extraordinary. I'll just put my glasses on as I read my notes um, so I don't forget the details. Oh, sorry. Stop press. <laughs> I have to, for regular viewers, we're trying some new technology this week because there's a consistent complaint about our audio. So if something Richard says sets me off and I get loud, hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll try not to get loud, too loud, but <laughs> if that happens, hopefully it's better. Please also give us some feedback on that, whether you think there's been an improvement in the audios, because we're trying to solve the technical problem. Okay, enough of that, back to the issue. Um, We've had a real breakout in the press this week on this issue of the regional banking crisis. And I'll tell you why we've had a breakout, because there are quite extraordinary people in local government that have decided they're not gonna take it. And they're leading a fight back. And I'm, I'm blown away by them. The fight back is being led by the Shire Council of Juney in New South Wales, near Wagga Wagga. And um, they have, they're not just fighting themselves, they've reached out to other councils and they've asked other councils to join them in the fight. And this is now getting very, very important attention. And we'll just give you a flavour of, it. was a real breakout this week. It started with this little, we're going to play this little segment on the Today Show I think it was on uh, Tuesday morning with Carl Stefanovic and sorry, I forget the other host name, um, but she forgot the name of the town of Juney e as well. So she won't hold it against me. Fair's fair. fair. Carl uh, Stefanovic and uh, on the Today Show, they did a live cross to the town of Juney e, and you'll see the general manager, James Davis there and the local manager of the licorice and chocolate uh, factory in Juney. E, and they're going to talk to them. Now I apologise for the audio quality of the, the, um, the lady from the licorice and chocolate factory. That's just Channel 9's audio problems. But watch this. Look at the group of people in the background and then we'll give you some more on it.
1: For so thousands of residents in a regional New South Wales town could soon be left with no access to a bank. Combank um, planning to close its doors in March. Locals now banding together to save the service at all costs. Joining us now... Resident and business owner Rhiannon Druce and James Davies from the J- Juni... Juni? June. Juni. Juni. Shire Council, my apologies. <laughs> Rhiannon, what impact would this closure have on the town? Um, it's going to have a huge
0: impact. Being in the town with no banks, we're going to have to then drive to our uh, next major centre, which is Wodham. That a
1: 45-minute drive to do the the to have to do you know, uh, this this is something that's happened. Uh, it happened a lot in Queensland. And when I was growing up, the banks just disappeared. Uh, Combank was one of the few um, that, that hung around. And then local banks took up some of the slack. Um, is there any chance of that happening? And did council have any heads up from the Combank, or was it, was it just cold? Well, Carl, we had about six hours notice back in six November, hours. I think, that they were intending to close and they gave 12 weeks notice. We argued against that and they extended for a further 12 weeks. But if they do close on the 3rd of March, that'll make around 700 banks, branches that have closed across Australia, and at that rate, there won't be a bank branch left in three years' time in rural Australia. Okay. Is there any chance that, that um, a, another bank, a regional bank, can pick up the slack, or is that just that's it for you? No, this is the last bank. There's an opportunity for community banks to come to Juneau, but even that process is pretty difficult. Um, and the community are clearly telling the council that they want a fully service bank for their for their customer service their face-to-face banking services and, and look the demands um, and and you know the the needs of regional communities are different to the city there's so much more that needs to be done at the local level right that's right and look we, we know that the federal parliament is sitting in february uh, early february and we're we're, we're seeking them to place a moratorium on any further bank closures, including ours, until such time as the public benefit can be fully disclosed to the community and they are fully aware of, you know, how it impacts regional Australia. I just see everyone there, Rhiannon. Um, uh, this this can be terribly confusing um, for um, elderly customers um, who, who rely on it uh, for a whole bunch of things, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the only other alternative to this is just to go out over Australia like, okay, Post, which is not much, only doesn't uh, so have
1: breakage. So the options are still quite well. It's just awful for you. I mean, this is what's what is going around the regions, um, yeah. right across Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, they're just being left behind with a lot of this infrastructure. Appreciate your time. Good luck with the fight. We'll follow that through with you. Thank you.
0: Now that's. That's excellent coverage. And, I tell, and, and the, the issue is, it's, it's not the complaint, it's the fight. Junie is saying, we do not accept this. Because I can tell you, um, too many others assume that the premise of the bank's decision is correct. Mm-hmm. They just don't like the fact that's happened to them. Right? That's, that's the mentality out there. In fact, I spoke to a mayor mm-hmm. this week who's losing his, the bank in his town, and he doesn't like it. But when I put it to him that the banks shouldn't be doing this, he said, oh, yeah, but it's up to them to make commercial decisions. And if it's not viable, it's not viable. Now, that's his argument. What he doesn't know, and I had to explain to him, was the banks aren't telling the truth on that, right? They are saying these branches aren't viable, yet they're making lots and lots of profits. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anyway, so that council, Juni Council and James Davis, they are leading the fight and it's getting, it's starting to get a lot of attention. Um, on top, of that, on top of that Today Show uh, appearance, we'll put some of the, the images of this on the on the screen, AAP, Australian Associated Press, picked it up and their article about the June e fight back, that was syndicated all around Australia. It was covered all over the place in all sorts of different regional newspapers, including the Canberra Times, which is quite important for our purposes because mm-hmm. um, uh, we want politicians to notice this yahoo news picked up on it and they talked about the the legal aspects of this and how the the local lawyer uh, or a local lawyer in June who's in a wheelchair <laughs> he just happened to you know know some th- some things about the law but he also he also found out that you can't the banks have a code of conduct that you can't enforce on them mm-hmm. so so it's a worthless piece of paper basically the daily telegraph picked it up and that's one of the biggest papers in australia in sydney and then also, I was on 5AA radio in Adelaide yesterday, which is the biggest commercial radio station in Adelaide. Um, unfortunately, those clips, that, that audio is not available. Um, a lot of radio stations do make their audio available, but um, 5AA didn't. But anyway, it was very, very good. The Drive Time host there, Math, Matthew Pantelli, um, was in full agreement that this is a huge problem and that we need something like a postal bank solution. And he gave it a massive endorsement but he wanted to talk to us because they got our press release. But the day before, he'd interviewed David Kelly from the Coober Council. And David Kelly is the CEO up there. And the Coober Council is another one of the councils that's part of this fight back. right? And this is now the fight back is what people are starting to notice. And as a result of that, Richard, politicians are jumping on the bandwagon. And I want to yep. just give this one example. Um, Bear in mind, we're talking, look, this is a problem across Australia, but it's concentrated in regional Australia, in the sense that um, although the banks are closing branches everywhere, the, they're closing more per capita in regional Australia, and it's having a bigger impact.
2: Yeah, and definitely a lot more per acreage.
0: <laughs> oh, 100%. If you go... If you go like 10,000%. Um, <laughs> if, 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 a, if a suburb in Melbourne loses a bank branch, that's very inconvenient for the... The the little old nonnas, etc., and the people and their gophers who go to that bank branch, because they are told you've got to go to the next suburb or something. Um, and that's bad. The next suburb is, you know, they've got to get a taxi there or whatever, and it's a it's a pain in the butt. But if it happens in a regional town, you've got to go to the next town, that can be well, in the case of Junee, it's forty-four kilometres to Wagga. Mm-hmm. In the case of Kanama in Western Australia, it's two hundred and forty kilometres. And in the case of um Cuba-pedia. Cuba-pedia, it's 540 kilometres. Yeah, to right? Port
2: Augusta one way, or was it Catherine the other
0: one? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, which is first, Catherine or Alice Springs? No, Alice it's Springs, probably, sorry. Probably Alice Catherine? Springs, but um, uh, the banks might be pulling out of Alice Springs too. Anyway, um, so, so this is a regional issue, but where's the National Party on this? Crickets. Absolutely crickets, and... Uh, one of the problems is it was the National Party who convened this regional banking task force in 2021, which came which reported last year, and they put they published the report on the 30th of September, and it had this series of recommendations, but every single recommendation was premised on the fact, on the on the on accepting the bank's claim that they're in their right to shut branches and this is just going to happen. So all the all the recommendations were premised on how do you handle the shutdown of a branch rather than should the banks be shutting down branches, right? Except so Darren Chester, a very senior National Party member of Parliament, put out this tweet yesterday, we'll put up on the screen, and um, he didn't hold back. He said the banks are treating their customers with contempt. And the thing is, (laughs) I don't know if he realised that by attacking the banks in this way for this thing, he's actually indirectly attacking his party's regional banking task force, Mm -hmm. right? But that's good. We are forcing a shift here. Um, now, three. Here, let's bring it home, though. Yesterday, three towns lost their National Australia Bank branches: Strathalbyn in South Australia, uh, Tin Can Bay in Queensland, and Warners Bay, Warn- Warners Bay in New South Wales. They've lost their branches, and they, you know, they're, once they're lost, they're harder to get back. Mm, right. And those are the last. But those are the last three. Last so, banking town. Well, t- two of them are the last bank in town. And then um, uh, c- towns like Cooper it's the next cab off the rank, it's going to lose its bank on the 13th of February. Right? Now, uh, a few days ago, I- we'll put this on the screen, ABC reported that Longreach in Queensland is the latest town to be told this week that we're going to close your branch. And Dale Webster, the independent journalist who's done more than anybody to track this, this phenomenon of the banks closing branches, she pointed out that when, when Longreach closes, the N, when the NAB closes in Longreach, um, only Winton will be the Winton in Queensland will be the only NAB branch for one million square kilometres, <laughs> one million square kilometres. Right? They're turning the place into a a um, banking desert. The mayor of that town in that article points out that the local economy around longreach is fabulously productive at the moment it's booming you know because there's there's probably uh, you know very little in the way of drought lots of production lots of agriculture etc lots of in- he points out there's lots of investment going into this place mm-hmm. right and so that for the in terms of what the banks are making out of the region it would be more than ever yet they're cutting the services and that's why we have to have this inquiry. Next week, I'm going to Canberra with Glenn Ishwood to talk to the senators about getting an inquiry that, that, that basically does the job that the Regional Banking Task Force should have done. You've got to get not... Because remember, the, the failure of the Regional Banking Task Force was they set up a task force and eight of the 11 members were bankers. <laughs> and all they did... Of course, they accepted the premise of the question. It's their premise, mm-hmm. Right? And so um, that's why it gave them a green light to do this massive acceleration of branch closures that we've been talking about. Um, The Senate senators should be looking at this. People who are in their mind know that they have some kind of obligation to the people of Australia. They should be looking at this, not bankers. They should be taking submissions from everybody. They should be holding public hearings. And that's what we can achieve this week. And we know the majority members of the committee are committed to this. We just have to make sure it passes through the chamber as a vote. And that's why the the, the the call that we put out to our viewers, please make those calls to senators and we'll talk about that a bit more later, but you've got to keep it up all week next week. Follow this, I'll do updates from there as I can, but that's what you're gonna be supporting by making those calls and sending those um, emails. Uh, the two things that we need the task force, the, the, the inquiry to test, lots of things it can look at, but it needs to test two claims by the banks. One, that it's the people who are moving away from branches and the banks are responding to that, right? That's voluntarily moving away to digital banking. That's the first thing that should be tested because we're, we're calling BS on that. And the second thing is that branches are unprofitable. So we're not gonna prove it here, but I want we've got a few uh, hints. So the first one, let's put this picture up. I took this photo yesterday. So you can credit the Robbie Barwick. <laughs> this is we're, we're in Coburg in um, Melbourne and I went for a walk down the street and what you, that's, a, that's the ANZ Bank and that queue is out the door and then people said to me, oh, that's pension day. Well, um, there may be some pensioners in there but you, you can see a lot of people who aren't pensioners as mm-hmm. well, right? P- and and this, is a fun, this is common at the ANZ Bank in Coburg, the queue stretching out the door. People need to use the bank branch, but as you pointed out, yes. there's something unique about ANZ that might contribute to that queue.
2: Yeah, they don't. They didn't sign up to bank at post. Their customers can't go to the uh, the post office. So all, any other suburbs in the area where ANZ yep. closed its branches, they're all coming here now and yep. queuing up out the door.
0: Yep. No, exactly. So when you see the queue at the post office. Understand that part of that queue is still people queuing up for face-to-face banking services, and yep. the one of the big four that doesn't have the Bank of Post deal, they have to put up with the queue, right? People need, do those people who are in that queue, is that their preferred way to spend their Thursday lunchtime? <laughs> I don't think so. They go in there because they need to, yep. right? If they could do it online, these young people in that queue, you can bet your bottom dollar they would, right? They can't, they need to. And that's true. if that's true for Coburg, it's true for regional Australia even more. Yeah. But I want to play a clip first. Look at what the CEO of ANZ... We've played this a few times in the last few weeks, but I just want to single out the CEO of ANZ this time. Look at what he said at the ANZ AGM just before Christmas in response to a question by Michael Sanderson about why they're shutting branches. Look at specifically what he says.
2: So, you know, I think uh, the challenge we've always got here is the change in customer behavior and trying to get the balance between viability, as you raised it, and making sure there's accessibility. We do operate today over 400 branches nationally, and I take your point. That's a significant reduction on where we were. But as Shane mentioned earlier, when we look at who comes to a branch, only
0: 8% 8% of ANZ customers regularly use a branch. So he claims only 8% of ANZ customers use bank branches. Well, are all of 8% in Coburg, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you looked at some of those figures,
2: didn't you? That's the people who exclusively use branches, right? The yeah.
0: 8%. It's not the... Exactly. The 8% is the people who solely use branches. Yeah. Whereas I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with online technology where it's available, mm. Right. But I also need to use a branch. Yeah. There's lots of people who, you know, you'll use your you'll use your ba- your online thing for if you if you know how to do it and you're, not, and you're not scared of the technology and you're you're comfortable with the security. You'll check your balance. You'll just do it online. You won't go and look at you know your passbook or whatever. But that's me. Hmm. Um, but if I need to use a branch, I'll use a branch, right? And everyone's a little bit different. But there's nobody who solely uses online. I, well, I reckon if let's put it this way. This is off the top of our heads, but if, if 8% of people solely use um, branches, and by the way, that's 720,000 ANZ customers, mm-hmm. I would say the percentage of people who solely use online banking, in other words, never, ever, ever have to go to a branch, is smaller than 8%. Yeah, it'd have to be. It'd be nothing. I, I imagine it's almost zero, right? Give me a break. Anyway, so that's the... That's just one... You, that's, that's replicated all around Australia. Go look at your branches. If your branches have queues, people need to use branches. That's what has to be tested at the inquiry. Yeah, and, and as you pointed out before, by definition, if people in
2: these rural towns didn't want the branches, they wouldn't give us stuff. We wouldn't, wouldn't, we be, wouldn't be talking bank. about this. <laughs> exactly. to, we be, we'd be talking about something else today. In, all in right,
0: so, exactly. Now, here's the other one, though. Profitability. Are these branches unviable? When is a bank branch
2: ever not profitable?
0: <laughs> well, and that's where the, 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 uh, the, the long-reach example is a case in point. So just say the banks aren't lying when they, when, or, or, or fiddling the statistics when they say, oh, there's so many fuel people using the branch. That branch at NAB is serving a, a region which NAB is making lots of money from, and can I say, record amounts. They wrote a report last year, boasted about how much more profit they're making from regional Australia. So they are still making profits from the regions. What they do is the old... This, it's this neoliberal accounting trick that came in in the last 30 or 40 years where you you don't look at the, 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 in, the entity as a whole. You break it down into its component parts. Mm-hmm. And every component part, if that's not making maximum profit, get rid of it. As our friend Peter Cribbitt said, yeah. <laughs> said uh, the, an economist, uh, Peter made the joke, well... Um, you know, don't have kids, they're, a, they're an expense centre. They're, sorry, they're, what's the term? There's a cost, they're a cost centre, cost centre of a family. Yeah. Don't have kids, they're a cost centre. What do they contribute to the economics of the family, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> this is, you know, that's that kind of mentality that you've got to take on. Um, but let's just look at the, take a, take a step back and look at the big picture. There's a really, there's a really good banking expert in Australia named Satyajit Das, who um, worked for the Commonwealth Bank for a long time, but and you, you know he's often a commentator on the news and things like Q and A, etc.
2: Yeah, it, written several books on the subject. Yeah, on traders, the twi- traders, guns and Money. traders, guns and money. One. Exactly, that's yeah. the, that's
0: what he's famous for. On the twenty first of November, Sachchidanand Das wrote an article in the Guardian newspaper. This is three months ago, um, and he called for a super profits tax for banks. But put that aside. Th- let me just read you this. This central Quote from the article that's relevant to what we're talking about. In the past year, Australia's big four banks have made $28.5 billion in profits. Their return on investment was 10.6%, well above the global average. The banks are large relative to the size of the overall economy at 160% of GDP which is around double the global average. So these are fabulously profitable, large mega banks in Australia. Their profits are growing. This year they're projected to have a profit of over $30 billion, Mm -hmm. the big four. Yet they do not want to provide a basic service for that profit, right? And that's where this Senate Senate inquiry has to open the books on the whole thing. So look, get mad, fire up and express that to the senators. They they must support this inquiry. So we need you, if you haven't, you're watching this on Saturday night or later, um, if this is Monday morning, I'll be in Canberra, make those calls. If you haven't called your senators yet and emailed them, look for the link below to the list of senators that, that we have where you can call the senators in your state. Call them all today. This morning, well, I'm assuming it's Monday morning you're watching this, or if it's Monday morning, call them, if it's Tuesday morning, call them and say there's a push for an inquiry into regional bank closures, please support it. I want you to support it. Send them an email to that effect as well. Do both, do it to all 10 or 12 senators in your state. Right? That's gonna be really, really crucial because we need to lock that in. Because the minute it happens, the minute this, this motion for inquiry passes and the inquiry is established, That sends a clear message to the banks: you've done this, you've brought this on yourself, right? And and that message will hopefully be delivered even more directly to the banks. Stop shutting branches. We're now looking at this, right? And if the banks want to defy the parliament by pushing ahead while the parliament's doing a very important inquiry, all they're going to do is destroy any goodwill they may have in parliament. And they will. They will. This will end up becoming a bigger and bigger scandal, and might lead to the sort of thing that eventually um, led to the Royal Commission. So, we'll up, I'll update through the Citizens Party's means of, like, media releases on our website, etc. As the, as this um, unfolds next week, uh, when I'm there doing the rounds of the building with Glenn Isherwood, um, please do your bit and make those calls. And if you can, we need your financial support. Click that link and make a donation. All right. So. Now, that said, let's get on. that's about reforming how the banking system works. Let's start talking about why this is getting really, really urgent to do that. So what we're talking about is housing bubble deflating fast, but the worst is yet to come. Um, and as I said before, the housing bubble is at the centre of this economy, and that's bad. And it's even worse when it's in trouble because that has huge consequences. And I'm gonna go back to Satyajit Das again, the guy I, voted, I, I, I um, quoted before. Because he, in that same article about the bank's he, profitability, he wrote this. Several factors influence this performance, i.e. the profits. As mortgages make up around 60% of Australian bank loans, one of the highest proportions in the world, They, the banks, benefited from the period of abnormally low interest rates and resultant high property prices, which increased home loan volumes. And of course, by increasing the home loan volumes, that's that's credit that's going through the economy. Mm -hmm. So Richard, (coughs) what's happening to house prices now?
2: Well, since the RBA started lifting interest rates to fight inflation, even though it acknowledges they don't work, but it keeps doing them anyway... uh it last may they started doing that uh this may i should say Uh, um just gone so uh yeah they uh house prices have crashed it's the it's the steepest decline on record on record uh since the data set starts um i don't remember when that is but the last one comparable was the early 1980s so house prices have lost nearly ten percent the early
0: 1980s decline was not a decline of of a bubble per se that was that was a recession in that at that time Uh, this is a bubble we're talking about. It's a little bit different.
2: Yeah, yeah. So this is um, figures from CoreLogic, the big, biggest yeah. um, data property market data company analysis and so on. Say so it's come down about uh, over the five biggest capital cities. So that's the, the capitals outside of um, Perth and uh, outside of uh, Hobart and Darwin because they're you know much smaller. Um, so they don't count them in these aggregate figures. But over the other five capitals, they've come down nearly 10%, 9.7%. Uh, and if they keep going down at the present trajectory, uh, it'll also become the biggest house price correction uh, on record uh, by probably the end of this month.
0: Now, so there's a there's an irony here. These, these are real falls in house prices, but it's not making housing more affordable. Nope. Why? Because...
2: The, uh, every time the RBA lifts the cash rate, well, all the mortgage rates, all the variable rates go up as well. Uh, and so, uh, how's, if you're getting assessed for a home loan now, well, your, your, your expenses have gone up because of inflation, because wages don't go up. Wages aren't allowed to go up in this country because that would be inflationary. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) According to idiots, you know, but, um, a lot of them work at the RBA, but, uh, so your
0: expenses, go your expenses
2: have, have gone through the roof by nearly ten percent over the past year. Yep, nine and a half or something percent over the last year. Still tracking at nearly eight percent annualized per month, and uh, so you've got a your interest rate that you would pay for a mortgage has tripled from yep. two to six percent, roughly. Yep, uh, and you're being assessed at a three percent serviceability buffer, which means you're being assessed at ten percent. Um. Which means that uh, uh, Martin North, uh, our friend Martin North, Digital Finance Analytics, pointed out the other day, borrowing power, what you could expect to be able to borrow with the same set of income and expenditures, has gone down 30%.
0: Which is, which is faster than the house prices. And well, three times as fast as house prices yep. on average. And so, and so the thing that would save a bubble, which is more credit flowing in, They can only get there through borrowing, through Mm -hmm. borrowers, and they can't borrow, Yep. right? So now that's bad, but on top of that, (laughs) we still haven't reached what they call the mortgage cliff. So what's that part about? So Australia is
2: almost unique, probably unique um, in the scale of it at least, in that we have these variable variable rate mortgages. Almost nobody does that. Like, uh, for instance... The vast majority of loans in the US are on 30-year fixed terms, yeah, right. Uh, according to various articles that I've read. So, um, Australia, we usually, fixed interest mortgages usually only last three years and resets at most and resets to uh, variable rates. And so there's all of these people who borrowed uh, at the you know, low, lower, lower, lowest interest rates that we've ever had for the highest house prices we've ever had <coughs> before this correction started. Uh, and they're all resetting this year. Oh, not all of them, because like this ended last May, so the middle of last year.
0: But only about a third of them have reset so far, or uh, even less.
2: Yeah, even less. Um, in fact, um, now we've got an article in this week's Alert Service newsletter on this that I wrote that focuses mainly on the first home buyer contingent. Yep. Uh, and there's 155,000 plus people who got in right at the bottom of the market, according to this um, analyst in the Sydney Morning Herald. Yep. Um, but overall, um, later that same day, Marion Kohler, the head of the, the lead economic analyst at the RBA, came out and told the Senate there are over 800,000 loan facilities resetting from low fixed interest to much higher variable rates this year. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's... That many households it won't be too much less than that because there are people with multiple you know there are investors yeah. with seven properties there are people yeah. with split loans and there are some cases where multiple people take out loans for the same property because they're going shares in it and for whatever reason families and so on but you know by and large she said it's it's in the high eight hundred thousands of loan facilities are resetting to variable rates this year and that's that's before that record low contingent Comes online. Uh, yeah. So they yeah. they might not re- if they took out three ter- three year terms, fixed terms, they might not reset until you know twenty twenty five. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but some of them are going to be shorter than that. Other people took out variable loans. Anyone who borrowed at the bottom of the at the at the bottom of the interest rates in the top of the market is already underwater. They can't they can't get their money back even if they even if they sell their house and they can't sell their house because nobody can borrow to buy it. Um, and le- except for these people who are pooling their money to invest and this and that and the other thing, so the whole thing is, you know, it's like it, it's like you know the, the movie, the old car with all the fenders falling off and the tires <laughs> are gone flat, and it's still rolling along for now. But well, and it'll stall at some point. No, but it, it's the important you say on. that
0: because like over, we've been focusing on this housing bubble for a long time, and there's been these little inflection points where this could have happened hmm. and been uncontrollable, and at each stage the government and the RBA have been able to rig something. But we said all along, we said years ago, this was a (laughs) catch-22 because eventually the main thing they did to rig it was keep flooding in the credit Mm. and even through quantitative easing. And eventually you would have a situation where you either have a bubble burst or you have inflation. Mm -hmm. And now that we've got the inflation part, it is here. Mm. Our, Our RBA is following the Fed. All they know how to deal with inflation is whack up interest rates. Yep. Right? And so this is what's different to all the previous times the bubble wobbled.
2: Yeah. And a large part of that involved also the government, state and federal governments, sucker and first home buyers in yep. with these grants and concessionary loans and this and that and the other. Well but
0: That was at that, record
2: low interest. That's that's basic until they, you know, APRA could throw its serviceability buffer out the window, and it still might not yeah, make that yeah. much difference, right? That's They're true. talking about doing that already. We'll see what they do, but.
0: Well, so um, you've written. I'll just mention for the, the the viewer. Richard wrote this up this week in our Alert Service magazine. The, the Great Australian Mortgage Bubble floats towards the abyss. If you if you don't have a copy of that, you can get a copy, and uh, please consider subscribing. Um, but what you what you look what you the implications of this are dire. This has been the. This has been the sort of Damocles hanging over the the head of the Australian financial system for a decade and a half or more, right? This has been it. And every time, that's why they've pulled out all the stops to prop it up. Because if the bubble bursts in housing, what Satyajit Das said about the reason the banks are making all their profit from housing, Mm -hmm. goes back the other way. They get smashed. The banks get absolutely smashed. And if the banks get smashed, and they're a very, very big part of our economy, as he said in those figures, then everybody gets crushed in Australia. This is our version of what happened in America in 2008, right? Their bubble did burst. We kept ours going, but we just kicked the can down the road. And what happens? um, You, the the consumer, if you don't have branches or ATMs, you can't, you, you hear the banks are in trouble. You can't queue up and get your money out. That's actually why, that's one of the reasons the banks Mm -hmm. want to get rid of branches and ATMs so nobody can ever pull their money out in a crash or not just a crash, bail-in, right? If the banks are in trouble, then there's the danger of bail-in where they say, well, just explain bail-in for people.
2: Well, you pointed out the mortgages, well, Sajid Das pointed out, the mortgages are what's driving the profits. Well, it's also their asset book, 60% of their asset book. And if house values crash... They're insolvent, yeah, and they're not allowed to be. So what bail-in does, um, as our regular viewers will know, but in a nutshell, it it's designed to steal everything, convert it into shares in the bank, or, or write, it, write off it, it off, or convert it, or you know,
0: which uh, is the liabilities side. Yeah,
2: the liabilities side. Our deposits, deposits, our money is
0: the bank's liability.
2: Yeah, all of that. Um, now that's what that's what bonds. Yeah. for and that's what shareholders are for and so on like that's that's everyone knows this yeah. well you should know it if you're going to invest in them but deposits were always sacrosanct and officially supposed to be but they, it doesn't work for reasons yeah. we've explained before so um yeah you get you get the uh the cypress haircut
0: <laughs> because you can't get your money out and uh and if you don't have cash and can I say the Cyprus haircut will make your bank account look like Richard in my head? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So if uh,
2: if that happens, they just uh, because of the law they snuck through in twenty eighteen. Yep. Then they just steal everything, in, including your deposits, to recapitalize the banks so that they're not formally insolvent, even though functionally they still are.
0: And this is this is everything that's on the uh, on on the horizon when you have a, a crisis like this. And so. It's a, it's a good reminder of why the Citizens Party does what we do. We're focusing on overhauling the banking and the financial system because it shouldn't be dysfunctional like this. It's, it's become a, a predatory casino bubble machine that, it, that doesn't assist the real economy. It sucks the wealth out of the real economy just for its own purposes and it encourages bubbles instead of discourages bubbles. And when that all comes crashing down, then it's all toast for everybody. We need to overhaul it. And one of the things that we've been pushing for lately is overhauling the regulatory system. That's why we're focusing on ASIC. And in fact, that's really blown up this week as well. We put out a press release about that. There's a lot of negative attention mm-hmm. on the chairman of ASIC at the moment, Joe Longo. So the, the, um, the ASIC inquiry, I think I announced last week, uh, the deadline for submissions to that was today. That's been extended to the 28th of February. And which is which is really good, so we can get even more people focusing on that. But Longo is copying a hiding in the media, including by um, Joe Aston on the back page of the um, of the Fin Review. <laughs> How low can Longo go? And they're, they're, and he says what we say. What we say. Nobody fears ASIC, yep. but it should be feared. A proper regulator should be feared by the banks. That's why it's got to be overhauled. So that forces the banks to behave themselves. That's on the one hand. And on the other hand, much more fundamentally, you need a positive form of reform. And that is a national banking system with a post office bank as its retail front, right? Where we can all bank with a safe post office bank. That's where you can put your money where it's safe. More importantly, a national banking system can be the source of credit in, away from the housing market, into the real economy, into businesses that make things, so they can so they can give Australia you know a, a market for those things and more export income, etc., and other forms of income, um, and just 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 helping the 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 um, the the economy function more productively. Right? It can it can lend to local government and state government and federal governments for infrastructure that makes things more productive. This is where the jobs should be. We, we can bring back our manufacturing in Australia. And so we become an economy that makes money from earning it mm-hmm. rather than speculating on one asset class in housing and the derivatives on that. Um, and that's a really clear plan. And the other thing you can read in the alert this week on the front page, contrast Australian Citizens Party banking solution to Chalmers Waffle, because you might have you heard the Treasurer wrote an essay, and I read it, and it is nothing but Waffle. He's trying to be neither fish nor fowl. Um, he knows people hate neoliberalism, mm. and he's, he's using buzzwords against neoliberalism. But he has—he and this government have no plan to actually reform the financial system. They—they they, they talk about things like co-investment, etc., yeah. and it's all wishy-washy yeah. rubbish. It's
2: all just re, the, the only actual policies he talks about are just rebadged. Neoliberal policies, yep. public-private partnerships and things like this. He's just dressing it up in different language. Yep. And even mainstream economists are just saying, what are you doing? Like yep. what, what's that fellow's name? Um Stephen Hamilton, Stephen in, Hamilton the in the, in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald. He's a professor of, he's more of a classical liberal, not yep. a not a neoliberal. But he's just saying, look, there are things, there are, there's a role for free markets and there's a role for governments, and you're not helping anything by continuing to conflate the two. You're just you're just perpetuating neoliberalism under a different name. What is the point?
0: The government should provide services. The government should provide the infrastructure, and then the rest of the economy can work for everybody, including the private sector. And what these mm. guys have done, because we're in a collapsing economy, is they've brought in to prop up the financial sector. They've got, they've given the financial sector a role in providing services and providing infrastructure at massive profit, and then it just becomes an expense to us, right? Mm. And then they try and force us all to use it so that we can, you know, even boost their, their um. Uh, their, their profits more. that's what we do for them by the way. what do the banks do for us in exchange? nothing. I've got to keep this PG. nothing. <laughs> that's what they, they shut they, they've never been more profitable and they're withdrawing services at a rapid rate and that's what we've got to change the whole system. anyway so remember support the fight call your senators this week. Richard, thank you very much for joining us and explaining that. Yeah, Thanks probably. to the viewer for tuning in. Tune in next week for more of The Citizen's Report.
2: Authorised by Robert Bowick, Citizens Party, Melbourne.